Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome everybody to an episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name is Alicia. I am your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, and I am here finishing up our parenting series today with my mom and founder and lead belief therapist, Abby Shields. Once again, we're in the closet. (laughs) I think that is actually her favorite part to say. It is. About, there should be a t-shirt once we come out with t-shirts yes. on the podcast. In the closet. No. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We will figure it out and come up with something better than that. <laughs> so um, so we are doing a couple things today. So we are finishing up our um, Heart of Parenting series. For the moment. For the moment. I mean, obviously. We'll be back with more parenting. <laughs> there is so much to cover in parenting Um, what our hope and prayer for this first series is kind of foundational. Yeah, mostly foundational principles that you can use across the board no matter what age. There are some things that are more geared to toddlers than teenagers, but we will be doing a series on teenagers as well. And then your tween age kids. Kind of breaking down each Mm -hmm. different life stage because, you know, there's different needs at the different life stages. So hopefully this has been kind of set a good foundation for our listeners. So then the second thing that we are doing, the last week we started a conversation about communication with our kids. How, um, how did God, how does God want us to communicate with our children? Yes, because it really is true that the way we communicate with our kids, um, affects their emotional development. It can further, down the road affect relationships with, um, you know, with other people. And so it really is, if we are to reflect Christ to our kids, the way we talk to them uh, is very important. And we talked about that communication isn't just about, you know, the words that come out of our mouth. It's the tone. There's tone. There's other things. I actually wanted to start off today. I remembered from our conversation last week, um, it made me think about one of our blogs that I wrote that is on our website. And I wanted to read a little bit of it. Uh, It starts off and it says, ever have one of those moments where you hear the critical self-loathing, insert your adjective words come out of your child's mouth. And right before you lean in to correct them, you realize they sound a lot like you. (laughs) 
That is so true. I remember when you were a little girl and you had your doll babies lined up on your bed and you were communicating them to them by shaking your finger at them. And the I, fussy finger. The fussy finger. I remember that. Oh. My. Yeah, and then I go on to say, it says, now I know I'm not responsible for all of the self-talk or dialogue that comes out of my children's mouths. I definitely don't call any of my kids stupid, and I'm not some dragon mom who has no tolerance for mistakes. Even more, the reality is there is an accuser and a liar that looks to convince them that they are not enough. However, I do try to teach my son better study habits, and the truth is I do find it completely annoying when my kids get more food on the table than in their mouth. So I find myself in the heartbreaking moments asking what, if any, is my part in all of this because, you know, the truth is, and this was a very uh, powerful quote for me personally as a parent, is uh, this quote, and I don't know, you have to forgive me, I don't know who said it. It definitely was not me. Um, it says, a parent's voice becomes a child's self-talk. Let's wire our kids for self-compassion and not self-criticism. That's so true. Yes. Golly, geez, that's an excellent quote. And so it really just goes to show that, you know, the way we talk to our kids does shape them. And um, so we didn't get into a lot of the practical last week. I mean, we talked um, a lot about motives for communication. And if you had to sum up what, um, I guess, the heart of communicating the way God wants us to communicate, what would you say those things were? I think, first of all, be other focused and um, be concerned about your child, not what you aren't getting. And then also, um, the root of it all is to communicate with love. Yes. Because we were created to love. And that's our purpose as parents and as a human being, as a Christian. And a lot of times that can be hard because, you know, when we're in those moments where our kids aren't listening and we're not communicating out of love, we're no. communicating out of uh, anger. anger and control and, you know, all those different things. So if you haven't listened to the first part, of um, communicating with your child, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it because there's a lot of good stuff. But we're going to jump in and pick up from there just on practical things. So what does the language part of communicating look like and giving, I guess, practical things, actual statements or ways to talk that are helpful in communicating like Christ. So what what would one of those, what are some of those things? Let's jump in. Okay. Um, children need to be seen and heard. It's really important that they know that you see them and that you hear what they're saying as well. So one of the things that I try to teach parents is to use noticing statements, okay? And that comes when you're praising your child for a specific action or something like that. So you could say, honey, I noticed that you put all of your toys away after playtime. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Or I noticed that you brushed your teeth without me even having to remind you. That is such a grown up thing to do. Yeah. That type of stuff. And I think it's. I think it can be easy to 
you know, overlook when they are doing the things that we ask them to. Not that we don't see them, but we, I guess the challenge always for me is do I point out the times that they get it right as much as I point out the times that they they, get it wrong? Right. And that's a challenge, I think, as parents, because again, we had talked about how parenting is is a call to slowness and to slow down and be intentional. And the culture we live in does not promote that. No. And so, you know, as long as they're doing what we need them to do and everything's working and functioning, it's just like, okay, good. You know, the wheels are staying on the car (laughs) and we just keep going, going, going. We don't slow down enough to say, hey, I noticed that you are, Doing what we've asked you to do, that you're growing up, that you're being a big boy or girl. But we're really quick to notice when they don't do it. Right. So I think that's the point of creating that culture of Christ in our communication. So what else you got? What are some other things, practical things for parents when in talking about communication? Um, I think a big one is focus on their behavior, not them as a person, okay? If you're upset with your child about something, whatever it is, you want to make sure that your comments are directed at their behavior and not at them as a person. Okay, so give me an example of that. So, for example, instead of, I don't like that you are messy... Try, I don't like it when you leave your clothes all over the floor. Give them the specific things. You focused on their behavior of the clothes being all over the floor instead of just telling them you are messy. And why is that so important? Because they, they begin to get that identity. One of the things that when I was growing up, my father always told me was you're lazy. Yeah. Okay. And I so I grew up thinking I'm lazy. And so if they think I'm lazy, I might as well just go ahead and be lazy. It became that term that I used to define myself. Yeah. So and so then I learned that I'm not lazy, that I'm sometimes I chose poorly to um, use my time wisely. But, yeah. But um, that came from me just growing and maturing as I got older. But. And I think, too, like what underlies all of that is the message of shame. Yes. That when we focus um, on the person where we say you are lazy or you are messy, it it's sending the message that you are not enough. You are a mistake. I mean, that's not the message we mean to send, but you're that's, inadequate. But that's the message that it sends. Whereas if we focus on the, the behavior, behavior, it separates that from their identity. It's not who they are. And in an actuality, you know, it's by focusing on the behavior, we're actually calling them to what their real identity in Christ actually is, is that, you know, these things that you are choosing to do is not who you are. It's what you're doing. Right. And you have a choice to change the behavior, but you are not a You're mistake. not messy. Yes. You're not a mistake. It's not, you can't do anything right. Okay. I heard that all the time. Yeah. You can't do anything right. So when I heard that I couldn't do anything right, then I began to believe that because yeah. we live so out of what we believe to be true. And um, based on our feelings, if I feel inadequate, 
I, I believe I am. And so that's why it's so important to focus on their behavior. Yeah. And I, I see this a lot with my oldest. Now, you know, he is typical first child that, you know, is very hard on himself, like a pleaser, all of those things. And I have just noticed that he has picked up that message of shame it's, it's somewhere the along the and and well we're born with it right well and it's funny because like I I know this stuff in terms of like and I I think Carrie and I are very um, conscientious about you know focusing on their behavior not the person and yet he still you know like if like just this morning you know we have this strike system in the morning if they're not ready on time and. And he wasn't ready. And I said, I'm sorry, buddy, you got a strike today. And it's like, oh, well, I should just get two strikes because I, you know, and he just beats himself up. And it's like, where did all of this come from? <laughs> Adam and Eve. Yes. Very true. Very true. <laughs> um, so uh, what are some other important things when we're communicating with our kids? Um, I like the when then method of communicating with your kids so that it gives them a little bit better structure that they know what will happen after they do whatever. For example, when you get your teeth brushed, then you can watch TV. Or when you take your shower, then you get 15 more minutes of Xbox time. It's the tell them what they're going to do, but then give them like a reward for doing it right. kind of thing. Carrie always switches it up on our youngest. It's not really when then, but he makes it, he makes it a game. Like if we're talking about rewards or something fun, he'll be like, you know, if we need him to get ready for bed because he hates getting up off the couch to get ready for bed. Who, Jude? Yes. No. Um, he'll be like, all right, I'm going to time you. Ready, set, go. And then all of a sudden, he just gets in this mode of, you know, wanting to play the game and, you know, timing to see how long it takes him to get ready. But it just that idea of reward or fun, um, I think, really helps to mm -hmm. frame when we need our kids to yeah. do something, if there's the opportunity to be able to do that. Um, yeah, I, I think th I talked about that in my... Uh counselor's cornered I think somebody oh yes called in and wanted to know how she could get her toddler to yeah yep. do what she wanted him to do yep so. absolutely mm -hmm. so when then is a, is an excellent enough now for those of you who have pre-teens or whatever um, I would say write it use your pen to communicate um, because teens take, if, you, if you're talking too long, teens are going to take that as you're nagging them and they're going to shut you off, okay? They're going to hang up on you emotionally. They're not going to listen anymore. So I find that sometimes just getting our teens to do what we want them to do is just leave a note and say, hey, these are the things that need to get done. Or sometimes you can, you, I, I like to communicate with notes with um, just a word of encouragement. I remember when you were little, I would put notes in your lunchbox. I actually was thinking when yeah. you brought that up, mm -hmm. I was like, I remember the notes in my lunchbox and how, and I actually do that with my kids now, um, just to infer, affirm them or encourage them. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing I 
you know, in, in a different direction that this makes me think of um, is, so I, my oldest is 12, right? now. Yeah, he's 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I've found actually with all of my kids, you know, in the morning that I found myself sick of my own voice really from nagging them. Have you got your shoes? Did you do your breakfast? You know, have you brushed your teeth? Like blah, blah, blah. Like going through the checklist and, you know, you talk about nagging and then like we just become this wah, 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 wah. (laughs) And I just had this idea of, you know what? I am tired of feeling like this in the morning. And so I just made a list. They call it the morning checklist of everything that they needed to do um, in the morning before we got out the door. And I tell you what, it's like I've discovered some magic (laughs) miracle miracle because our mornings are so much more pleasant because they are not listening to me nag and remind them. I mean, parents come in and they see it hanging and they're like, oh my gosh, this is genius. And I mean, it's like not genius. It was more just created out of desperation because I hated yelling at my kids all morning. Um, but it really, it, it, just helps them get it done. And like, I'll do the same thing in the afternoon. If there's some stuff that I need Jack to get done instead of like, yell, not yelling, but even just telling him barking order. Like I have a little dry erase board that I'll just put to do list and just put the things on there. And just something about being able to erase off the to do list. Well, I think it also gives them a sense of ownership. It's not you telling them, it's them reading it and then taking responsibility to do it. Yeah. And um, I've, I'm a big person about, I support writing things down rather than constantly um, telling them. And you can, you know, write humorous things, uh, stick it in their lunchbox or put it, if you have teenagers, putting a note uh, on the windshield of the car that they might be driving to school in or whatever. Um, that's really, really, really important. Um, so basically talk with pen and pencil. So anyway, so that's that one. Another, another, you want another one? Yeah. I got lots. I mean, give it, we need all of the things, oh, please. Well. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, and here's, just remember, some of these work with some children and some, because your children are unique, they're not always going to work across the board. That's why I, it's really, I want, I look more at the principles of the heart than the specifics because that's where you can well that's the, the found yeah that's, that's the, the foundation, foundation yeah, because but these if are you just had... practical how to's okay or who to's or whatever don't get me started on my that. mom hates the word how to's yes i do <laughs> she <laughs> cringes every time she has to say that okay all right another one give likable alternatives okay um what i can think of is with kids like you can't go to the park by yourself but you can go play in the neighbor's yard with your friends you know you can go here but you can't go there so So what you're saying is is if there's something that you are communicating that they can't do try to give them a likable alternative right yeah yeah but what happens when they say but i don't want to do that and then I can, that's when I say, well, you have a choice. You can either choose to do that or choose not to do anything at all. And I throw it back in their lap. My okay. middle, 
my Jacob does that a lot. <laughs> he is very, he, hopefully, dear Jesus, he is like my attorney grow, when he grows up and he can take care of his old mama because the amount of negotiating and uh, I don't, not, maybe persuading is a better word than arguing, but he will hold fast to whatever it is that he wants to do and any alternatives that I try to give him. He's like, but I don't want to do that. Then that's when I would say, all right, then you have a choice. You can either not do anything at all or you can choose to do one of those things that I presented to you. Yeah. You know? Um, What about like for older kids, though? What would be an example of, you know, like for teenagers, that alternative language? I think a a lot of that has to do with curfew and friends and um, going somewhere that... Like you wanted to go to the French Quarter, I, I did always want to go to. And the... I would never let you go to the French Quarter, and then I found out later she snuck down into the French <laughs> Quarter. <laughs> this is after she's married. I think she does. Connect. I was able to keep that secret for a very yeah. long time. <laughs> so, but, and now as a parent, I realize how crazy and stupid I was, and why you wouldn't let me go. But at the time, I thought it was a brilliant idea. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, um, like, for example, if they want if they want their curfew to be one o'clock and their curfews at 11 and then they want to extend it to one, we can say you could give them, well, you can't stay out to one, but you could. I'm open to letting you come in at a curfew moving at 30 minutes or something like that. Or, no, you can't go out, but you can have a friend over and spend the night, something like yeah. that. You yeah. Know? But, that... Yeah. I find curfew... Uh, is a big thing with teenagers um, because they think that once again that nothing's ever going to happen to the kind of like you in the French Quarter. You oh know, yeah, you know we don't need to keep bringing up the French Quarter. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I, it's what what I feel like well, you that were a good kids. You didn't. You, that was <laughs> I was kind of glad to hear that you rebelled a little bit, but still. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like using that alternative, it's disarming. Yeah. You know, or at least has the potential to be disarming mm-hmm. and diffusing instead of it causing uh, controversy. Right. So um, yeah. I, I think a big one, and you always talk about this, is, you know, strangely, one of the most important practical things we can do to be good communicators with our kids is to be good listeners. That's huge. Yes, huge. Huge. That's huge. <laughs> I tease her because she always says everything is huge. So, Donald, think, Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. I think that's the most basic and powerful way to connect with your children is just be available to listen. Don't try to fix it. Just listen. And, you know, remember, there's a difference between listening and hearing. Yep. Hearing is vibration of the eardrum. Listening is vibration of the heart. Wow. Try to try to hear what they're not, or listen to what they're not saying. Yeah. What a, and then just empathize with them and say, I'm, and then repeat back to them, I'm sorry you feel that way. And mom is here or dad is here to... To help you with that, is there anything that we can do to help you? You know, but mainly they, like I said earlier, children want to be seen and heard, and if they don't feel heard, then that's when they're going to act out to try to get your attention. Yeah. Or seen either yeah. way of that. Yeah, I feel like a lot. You know, 
it's easy to, instead of listening to understand or empathize, you know, we listen to reply. Right. Like, you know, we listen in order that we can have a response and either tell them why they're wrong or their thinking isn't on point or, you know, try to fit kind of like what you said, try to fix it. Um, but that's not really what they what they want. They want to be heard and, and they understood. Want your atten- yeah. And they want your attention. Yeah. That's a big one to. It's huge. huge. <laughs> I love that word. Huge. It is, it is huge. <laughs> so, well, mom, this is all really, uh, really good stuff. And I think what is, um, you know, what is interesting is, you know, a lot of this you learn through trial and error and be able to see the way that Christ really did, um, you know, transform the way that you communicated with Stephen and I doesn't mean that you do it perfectly now, you know, um, but just to see the, the motive and desire and the, how all of these things that you kind of implemented with us later on. One of the exercises I do when I'm speaking, or I even do this in the office with my clients is that there are usually three forms of communication that we use to get what we want. And, the first one is um, force. I have them hold on to a, one person, hold on to a million dollar diamond. And then the other person, it's their job to get the diamond away from that person any way they want to. And I find it so interesting to watch how different people use different methods to try to get the diamond. Some people use force, like they try to pry open the hand or they punch on their arm to try to get them to let go of the of the diamond. Or... Um, some of them use manipulative behavior, like they tickle them or bargain with them yeah, or whatever, right, or try to them. get what they want, which is the diamond. To be clear, it's not actually a real million-dollar no, diamond. No, they, it's have. a pretend, right? <laughs> and then, and, We're in ministry. We yeah. do not have million-dollar <laughs> no. diamonds. Nope, nope. And if we did, I'd sell them and get the money to give out to people. So... Anyway, the third form of communication is passive-aggressive behavior, like I do with my husband when he says, what's the matter, dear? And I say, nothing. Nothing. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. You don't just do that with your husband, no, I don't. by the way. No, I guess I don't. No. So anyway, the question becomes then is that did you think to ask for the diamond? Mm. And 90% of the people don't. Yeah. Some who do don't get the diamond and then they resort to one of the other three forms of communication. And so that's something I try to teach people. It's, it's scriptural. God wants us to, to ask for what we need or to ask for help. But in our society, in communicating that, to ask for help is a sign of weakness and yeah. we don't want to communicate that. So be aware of those things. Are those the three things that you're doing with your kids to try to get to? Are you using force? I Unfortunately, I used a lot of force. I was a angry mama and I would scream and yell or I would even hit. I'm not proud of any of that, but that's to show you the grace that can change your heart. If, if God can change my heart, he can change anyone's heart. And then um, just just to be to be aware of that and to ask, ask your kids, could you please? Yeah. Do this for mom. And being, you know, respectful, direct. And, right. Yeah. Because I want my I want to communicate love and caring to my children. I don't want them to behave out of fear and concern that I'm going to hurt them. Yeah. yeah. So as we wrap up here, is there any other 
um, well, things that you feel like are important in, yes. practically for communicating with with your kids? I, th- I think a big one is when you when the discussion has come to where the answer is no and your children are still arguing with you, you've got to have that I mean business kind of tone of voice. Like the answer is no. Sometimes what I would say to Alicia and Stephen would be, what don't you understand about the word no, the N or the O? And when I said that, they knew then that I I was not going to entertain any more discussion. So that the matter is closed. And, and you, I think, too, it's important that when you when you have that tone and you say you are not going to discuss it anymore, that you you actually don't, don't discuss don't, it yeah. anymore. Because my Jacob, he is so good at pulling me back in that conversation. <laughs> and I have to catch myself sometimes saying, OK, wait, I said I wasn't going to talk about this anymore. And so that is when I have to sometimes just say, you know, hey, Jacob, if if you choose to bring this up to me again, you're going to be choosing the consequences. And sometimes it has to go that far in order to stay consistent and, um, you know, in terms of not not talking about it anymore because right. they keep pushing and pushing and pushing and we've got to get out of that before it becomes a power struggle and yep. an argument. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that would be the... The last thing that I would want to share. I mean, there's lots more, but we're running out of time here. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. So if you we're since we're wrapping up our series, um, what do you th- like? If you had to put uh, a cake topper on it, what would you say? I think parenting is the most important job that any of us can have. You know, because like I said in the very beginning, I maybe it was in last session. In the last session, um, was that you as a parent have been given the job of developing the soul of your child, and this, and so, real important. I, I take the job of parenting, especially now, as a in my role as a mom, uh, as because I'm no longer their parent. I'm done parenting them because they're grown and they they're on their own. But I will always be their mama. But I wish that I had had a lot of this information. I wish I had had Jesus when I was raising you kids um, because I know that I wouldn't have treated you the way that I treated you. It's okay. So anyway, um, I am grateful. Um, I pray that you all get something out of this that you, if you just learn one thing, that can help you um, be more Christ-like to your kids, that um, you would take it and apply it to your life. So it's been a privilege to talk to you about being a mama or a, I'm not a daddy, but being a parent, because yeah. it is it is a wonderful job yeah. to have, yeah. and I'm grateful. Thanks for sharing your heart with no us. No problem. All right, so it's time for our counselor's corner, and this is when our listeners get to write in kind of Dear Abby fashion uh, any questions they might have concerning um, family life, really just anything. Um, And if you are listening out there and you do have a question and you're like, hey, I want to know about this, if you go in our show notes, uh, the contact emails in there, you can email your questions to us, either myself or my mom, Abby, 
Um, Because we would love to hear from you guys. What are the things that you want to know about and hear more about? So, but today I am actually going to um, hold the counselor's corner hostage for myself (laughs) today Um, because I want to talk about shame and you know in one of my kids and I don't really want to point out who because in case they listen I don't want them to be embarrassed Um, I just I noticed that he carries around a lot of shame just in his responses to things um, his body language that kind of stuff and you know I'm sure somewhere along the way, Carrie and I played a part in that. And I don't really know where, how, and, and, you know, we can't really do anything about the past. But I guess my question to you is, Mom, is when you see that in your child, you see shame. I mean, what can you do? I I don't want to say fix it because, I mean, that's, that's only the work of God and the Holy Spirit. He's the one that takes our shame away. But as his parent... What can I do to help uh, reshape or reform the way he receives things so that it's not so shame-based? Does that make sense? I think so. We could do an entire episode on shame. and, and Let's do it! We might just have to do that in the future. But to answer your question, I think the first thing is... For you to understand that that is a natural, I mean, it, it, it's shame came into the world in the garden and the message of shame doesn't say I made a mistake. That's guilt. You make a mistake. God's answer for guilt is you take it to the cross and you are forgiven. Okay. But the message of shame came into the world after sin. And the message of shame says not I made a mistake, but I am a mistake. And that we are born with that at the root of our being to some degree because it's all about self and when we it starts early on children are very narcissistic they're very self-focused and so anything that goes on in the home they oftentimes take that in and feel like children of divorce when they're little little they don't understand it and they think that they're responsible and so so the message of shame comes early either a child comparing themselves which we all do that's why galatians 6 4 says don't compare yourself and so it's teaching your child not to compare themselves for them to know who they really are get them to open up and talk to you about that and and just to continue to put in the message of truth which says Nowhere in scripture are you going to find the message from God that tells you, you are not enough, Yeah, you know, and then help them with their feelings because shame can come out of feelings. In other words, we let our feelings become our truth instead of letting the truth about who we are. So that's where you let the truth be your truth. But children that suffer from shame a lot, I think it's that they compare themselves. And when they compare themselves, they don't win. When they compare themselves, they lose. And they then say, something's wrong with me. 
and they never say something's wrong with the other person that they're right. comparing themselves to. And so um, I think that would be a great thing for us to do an entire one or two part series yeah. on shame. But, but just continue to pour truth into him, encourage him, ask, you know, who's he comparing himself to? Yeah, and I think sometimes he's not comparing himself to a person. He's comparing himself to a standard, standard. that he has either set for himself or feels like that you and we carry as him. parents have set for him. Right. And when he lets us down because he's a pleaser or he perceives that he has let us down, right. you know, he just, he goes to this awful shame place and it is just heart, you know, heart wrenching. So, you know, yeah, that I, helps. I hope it helps a little bit, but yeah, I, I, that would be a great topic for us to, yeah. to focus in on as far as children and families and just our own shame yeah you know, absolutely so. thanks mom i hope it helps you got to give me advice <laughs> but i don't give advice <laughs> socrates gave advice and they poisoned him so. <laughs> well thanks for the little bits of wisdom okay what I'm saying. bye y'all thank you so much for joining us on no heart left behind's hope in the heart of family life podcast We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.